Welcome to the Choice Point Podcast. My name is Allison. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the topic of regret. Let it be known, I am recording this on a day of a storm, so there's going to be some background noise. It is what it is, people. Uh, I recorded this a couple times, had some technical difficulties, was a little frustrated, and then I figured, well, that's pretty fitting because I think it's a topic we all would like to avoid, but we all know that we need to address at some point in our life. So when I'm talking about regret, because I'm going to try to keep this episode short for the effectiveness of it, because my intention here is not that we wallow around in feelings and emotions and, and past events that we cannot change. That's not what I do. That's not what I'm about. Uh, I personally, obviously, like everyone else, I struggle with those things when I think things through and I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have said this. The point of this episode is just to give you maybe some simple strategies to, or ways to work through and create less episodes, if you will, of, or events of regret in your life. It was roughly around the end of 2007 when I left the West Coast to come back home to the East Coast. And during that time, I had the opportunity to, I had some downtime, <laughs> um, you know, trying to reevaluate what I was going to do. And personally, my, my own personal experiences, I'm always reading content to learn something from and build upon my, my clinical practice. But I'm personally one that pushes myself constantly to grow. I get bored with stagnation, I get restless, I get edgy, if I'm not pushing myself to some capacity, um, I get, I would almost probably say depressed. I mean, it's just my personal perspective that we're not here, we're not here to be easy, we're not here, <laughs> we're just, <laughs> I mean, you've got a limited time that you're here and you're to push yourself to be the best version that you possibly can. Uh, I would like to say that I am learning not to be so hardcore on that and looking at small measurable goals continuously to attain a better version of myself. One of the books that I read during that time was the top regrets, the top five regrets of the dying. Now you can Google this if you don't have time to read it. It's a quick, easy read. She did a great job, but I, I do understand some people just don't want to do it. So you can Google it. But the top five regrets are typically, you know, working less, spending time more with family and friends, going after the things I wish I had, being easier on myself, you know, um, not letting friendships fade. These are all pretty constant themes. And I think, and I, you know, obviously I've spoken in the way that I'm in, I'm in the midst of transition and I realize, right, as my, my parents get older and my family trying to enhance those connections and even with my friends, as I try to enhance those relationships or make more time for those, I'm altering kind of my get-go um, personality uh, in, in the things that I'm creating to ultimately have a little more space and time for my family and friends, which I, I do know is important because I do not want to regret one of those, you know, like, oh, I just work too much and I just let things slide. I think collectively we're all on the same page with that. Those are easier things to discuss than... I think when it comes to emotional forms of regret and the things that haunt us the most are those events, those situations that involved another person, whether it be a, a significant other, uh, a person that was fleeting in your life, a missed opportunity, a fight, something, something that was more emotionally content that held within you 
that you wish would have been different. And so I'll use myself as an example because today I don't have anyone with me to kind of counteract some of this stuff. I mean, definitely it might be a topic that comes up later with other people and how they handle regret. But I was thinking, how could I use myself as an example to to kind of learn how or talk about how I worked through my process? So my process is um, I came on the planet as a, you know just very empathic in nature. I came in that way. Um, now there's we could probably a different episode of what like a true empath is, but there's a highly sensing person, which is more like um, scientifically kind of measurable, an empath, and then people who've been in extremely traumatic experiences who are empathic in nature, who learn how to read a room for survival, if you will. When you're um, an empath, like kind of like a true empath, and I don't, and not one. None of these are one or is better than the other. They probably all intertwine. And quite frankly, we're all empaths in nature. It's more or less, I think we're wired to kind of be that way. It's just kind of hard, but some people are just a little more in tuned with it. So I'm not saying what I'm saying is I'm not saying anyone is better than the other. I'm just going to give you examples of what it looks like when, when, with me. Oh, how about that? And, um, you know, and it's actually really good when I play basketball too, but we won't go into that because we're going to talk about relationships here. But um, one of the interesting things was when I was young, I would say or express things exactly how I felt. And then I would become really aware of how it affected the other person. Now, what I did, and I had no idea that this was not like what everyone experiences until much later in life. And so when I would say something or do something, I would feel the intensity of the other person's emotion and maybe how uncomfortable it made them or how they felt with it. And then I learned there was a discomfort in that. And intrinsically, I do not like to hurt people. That's not something I will avoid situations if I feel like I'm going to hurt you. Um, so I typically learned ultimately at a very young age to start withdrawing and not expressing emotions um, or intense emotions, if it would be even good or bad, because if people were uncomfortable with it, that I could feel it. So how that is, is I can feel my own. Like if I'm going to have, like if I was going to say something that's kind of hard as a young person, a little person, and I can pull up an event in which I most definitely did. I, I spoke my truth. It was hard. I spoke, spoke my truth and to this particular adult. Um, and I could feel they're uncomfortable with it and they're unbending. They wanted what they wanted. Um, and then of course they were a little bit dismissive in nature because it was a defense mechanism. Um, so they shut down my feelings and then they were very uncomfortable because they wanted what they wanted. And so there I was feeling mine and then I could feel theirs. And then you can see then it didn't go anywhere effective. Right. And so, and this were multiple trials. I'm not blaming anyone. Um, and then, so ultimately I learned that this just isn't my expressing the truth or whatever. It just seems to make people uncomfortable. Okay. Um, and by me giving this example is so not me going boohoo, poor me, none, no, that's my journey. My life is mine to figure out, which I, I am actively doing continuously because it evolves in different stages of my life. But this was kind of where I learned kind of not fully to express my, myself with others very easily. And so progress a few years, still young, by the way, I would say I was this, most of these events, the three events that came the most powerful to me was, I think by the time I was in my mid twenties, I think, but there were three instances that I think impacted me the most. Um, 
and one of which I was having a conversation with the person and really felt this urge to tell them that I loved them, that I cared about them. And as I was in the midst of like feeling a compulsion, if you will, to tell them this, I was having this inner dialogue of like, you know, Allison, we don't say this to this person that's going to make them uncomfortable. Why would you want to do this? You know, pull back. Um, that's so not necessary. Um, cause you do not want to create a weird moment between the two of you. And within four hours of that conversation, that person passed, that person died, um, in an accident. Um, so intuitively uh, figuring it out, right. Part of the compulsion that I probably felt is a part of me knew that they were going to pass. Um, and so wanting to say a truth, but you can see where I have, when I've trained myself not to make people uncomfortable, with my emotions or when not wanting them to be uncomfortable with feelings in general coming from me, I learned how to kind of censor myself and pull back. And so there were a couple of other situations which kind of mirrored that. Like I didn't feel like I was being in a state of emotional integrity, which is something that I really try to stay in, um, even when it gets hard. But so I didn't express myself. I wasn't being consistent with my emotion and feelings with these people. And that was something that I was like, man, I, that's something I don't want to continue. And so when I read that book several years later, the journey, and it was in grad school too, obviously these conversations come up with grief counseling, but it was definitely catapulting of, I don't want to continue that path. Okay. So there's an example of my regret of not being able to express myself with others, um, how I feel or like truths about the relationship or just in general, right? Not wanting to evoke discomfort in them. So how did I, or how do I, um, work with that, if you will? So personally for me, the first part of the journey, because I can be very playful, um, <clears throat> I'm not very serious. I'm, there are two parts of me. I can be very serious where I'm just kind of like stone cold, very logical and methodical about things. And the other part of me is I'm a complete spaz, um, just totally playful. And, and probably you can't get two words really that are serious coming out of me. But how do you balance that? Right? So some of the things that I've learned to do is to be very playful in delivering some of the feelings that need to be dealt with. So it would be, you know, um, now like take for instance, when I'm with my friends and you know, it's a very playful way that I say, I love you. Right. Cause I mean, I do. Right. But now I deliver it in a very playful way. Whereas when I was younger, it was probably a little more serious. <laughs> so it's that playfulness that's allowed me to deliver it softly for someone to receive it more softly. Cause that's really what the ultimate, um, experience was for me is to have them to be able to receive it in a more palatable way than my, my delivery system when I was younger, which was much more serious by the way. So that's the beginning phases. And it was kind of funny, like a few weeks ago, I was talking to one of my friends and we often kid like, um, like, I don't want to share you with anyone, right? Like I want you all to myself. It's kind of like a constant joke between the two of us. And it's, you know, it's not realistic. We both have like, you know, work to do. We both have other friends and, you know, she's married with a kid. So, right. But it's, but it's a spoken truth in the fact that we are busy and that when we do get some time together, we, we do like to connect as much as possible and be present as much as possible. And there's just the reality that if someone else is in the mix, it pulls away from that. Um, so it's a very honest, playful delivery style of speaking a truth. And obviously therefore then 
that paves the way to then have more serious conversations, if you will, because they're already in a mood to receive. So then you can, if you primed, I guess is a good word for that. So you've like primed the relationship to be in a space of being able to hold bigger capacity. You've been playful. Now when serious conversations come up, it's more like, okay, we can handle this because I know how you feel kind of thing. I hope that makes sense. I understand that that's a very kind of simple thing. Now, when we're talking about, when we're talking about like fights that you've left off, arguments that went a different direction, maybe friendships that are no longer that way or you're no longer close or whatever, and you want to address those things, um, I think personally, I personally, I write. I'll write a card or a letter. Um, that's just simply a form that I appreciate. I mean, I still have letters from my nana, my aunt, even my brother. My nana, my aunt are past, um, but my brother is still alive and kicking. He's just right down the road, actually. Um, and then even one of my girlfriends that I went to college with, she went to India. I have her letters of when she went ab- abroad, and it was a huge life experience for her. Um, created lots of change in her life, and now I have those moments because she shared them with me. So I just like that. And I prefer when things are hard. And for me, again, if I feel like I'm going to have a conversation or I need to say something to another, and if I'm going to do it in person, they're not going to be able to receive it but it needs to be said because, right, I don't like things unsaid now, of course. And if I feel like you're not going to be, I'm going to write it. (laughs) Now, that person doesn't have to read it. They can throw it away. They can do whatever they want with it. And my handwriting is a little bit undesirable in the sense that it is chicken scratch, but it is what it is. If it means something to them, they'll get it deciphered. But my part now is these things must be said I have no expectations, and I want to make that clear. I don't expect anything back, because a lot of times these people can't. The ones that I do that form and writing with um, usually can't respond, um, because it's too overwhelming for them. And their capacity to receive is on them, but still nonetheless, I'm like, it's going to be said. (laughs) Um, That's Part of my personality now coming into alignment, right, is I'm a changer. I'm sorry. Um, you need to understand this is this what this is needs to happen and what you do with it is yours. So if you are compelled to want to reach out, if you've had like a, a large um, a big argument with someone and it was left undesirable, and you want to articulate things to them in the written form and it can be right you can write an email or whatever I I would say first of all just focus on the things that maybe you wish would have been said in in it or what you were trying to say and felt got lost in translation don't go too much into the negatives because that closes someone down. And then the other one, the most important thing is don't have any expectations for it. If you are writing or trying to connect in this kind of way with someone when it's more of an intense situation, I would say do it because you need to do it 
and you just feel like it needs to be out there, don't do it because you're expecting them to have some kind of response to it because ultimately you will be probably let down. However it affects them, they may never let you know. But if you have an expectation or a fantasy, if you will, that it's going to make everything all right or it's going to totally change everything, then you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. So, again, reiterate, this is just my example of how I've learned like shutting down my expressive part of self of how I feel about others or things that need to be said <clears throat> and then how I've learned to dance into a playful part with that to pave the way or prime the way to have more serious conversations with those people that I have constant relationship with. And then the other example of when you are with people that maybe can't receive what you have to say or maybe it's going to be too loaded what you have to say, and they might shut you down and not receive it if you're having a conversation with them, that writing it in some capacity will help you to do that. Stick to the things that you wish would have said or done or what you were trying to say and felt got lost in translation. Have no expectations and try really to stay away from the negative aspects because even if you have like three pages written of all the great things, I can assure you the human nature is if you say one negative thing, that person will focus on the one negative thing than all the beautiful things that you had to say. That's not to say in relationship, negative things don't need to be addressed. They do. I'm just simply saying, think about it in terms of what your goals are if you just want them to receive it. I understand that there's thousands of different ways of other regret. We could go into regret of um, businesses, goals, and stuff like that. And I, I'm sure at some point those things will be covered throughout podcasts from time to time in different conversations, hopefully with other people. But I just wanted to give like kind of like a short example of how when you know what your issue is in certain situations, how to look at it, see it for what it is, how to start addressing just the, the micro, the micro moments of change, as I like to say, right? Little things to playfully make it a little bit different. And then how to go into a different realm with that. And I just use myself as an example, like I said. So I hope something in there was kind of beneficial. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't. Um, I'm more open to suggestions for people. There's certain content that you want in different areas. I know definitely like when dreams die, there's regret there. I understand there's a whole vast area. This was just relationships on and kind of in that very kind of mm, short little phase of that. But anything that you want to go deeper in, just please reach out to me, connect with me, and I'll be more than happy to go over any of those things that might appeal to you. But until then, I hope you have a lovely week and I look forward to connecting with you later.